The global population is projected to hit 8 billion, according the to a report by the United The global population is projected to hit an all-time high on Tuesday, reaching the world's population will hit 8 billion people today. Now inhabit our ball in space, but the real story is the speed and consequence of population growth. According to a projection by the United Nations, the world's population has reached 8 billion people. That's right. That's eight with nine zeros. It's a number that it's honestly very hard to comprehend. Even more when you think about the fact that by the turn of the millennium, we were just over six billion. This exponential growth of population that has been happening all around the world has been the subject of a lot of conversations. Some famous figures like David Attenborough say that we're too many. We now realize that the disasters that continue increasingly to afflict the natural world have one element that connects them all the unprecedented increase in the number of human beings on the planet. Some, like Elon Musk, say that we're not enough. I think we need to watch out about uh, population collapse. This is uh, somewhat counterintuitive to most people. Uh, they think that, well, there's so many humans, maybe too many humans, uh, but that's just because they live in a city. Some say there might not be enough food for everyone, and others say that it's just a matter of distribution. Some say that more people means more pollution, and others say that it's just the fault of a couple of multi-million dollar corporations. You might have even heard that bringing babies into this dying world is not ethical anymore. Or on the other hand, that if you decide to not have kids, you're sealing the fate of humanity. So, which one is it? Are we too many, or too few? Or is it somewhere in between? And with such a divisive discourse, how do we even find the truth? This uncertainty and lack of nuance is what sent me on a journey to try and find out the truth, the real meaning behind the number 8 billion. Tired of the conflicting and close-minded narratives, as well as vague and unconvincing answers to this complex question, I decided to reach out to some experts to find out more on the topic. One of these people was Dr. Joel E. Cohen, the Abby Rockefeller Mosaic Professor of Populations at Rockefeller University as well as the author of the 1995 book, How Many People Can the Earth Support? We decided to meet on a Zoom call. Joel had dressed up really nicely with a button-down shirt and had set up his computer on a pile of old books. After we got acquainted with the usual how are you's and small backgrounds of each other's lives, I went ahead with the first question that I had formulated after hours of research. What I didn't know was that Joel would change the way that I approached this subject by pointing out a very important flaw in my perspective. I never use the word overpopulation. And why is that? Because it's usually used to mean there are too many of those guys. What I think about is population and the quality of people's lives and their situation in an environment that's good for them and good for the environment, because if it's bad for the environment, it's ultimately bad for them. That change in wording changes everything. Not only does it take away from blaming the world's problems on random innocence, but it also recontextualizes the issue. We're not too many. We're just not equal enough. The issue with equality is one that popped up time and time again during my interview with Joel. As the main issue facing 8 billion is not the availability of resources, but their allocation and distribution. And as Joel points out, the potential threats to the environment caused by poor distribution begin with people themselves. Density of population can be environmentally favorable because it reduces the fossil fuel consumption. On the other hand, the cities of the world 
occupy about 3% of all the world's land, habitable land. We know that the cities are going to double in population over the next generation. Are they going to double in area and eat up the land that produces food? Or are they going to double in density and protect the food producing regions? This is a choice that your generation will make about the future. So cities are not a good thing or a bad thing in themselves. It depends what we do with them and how we organize their growth. How do we plan them? Organizing resource allocation is key, but realistically speaking, relocating millions of people to solve our problem would just make things worse. So what about relocating the resources? Maybe we don't even have to do that. As Joel explains, it could be as simple as changing our diet. In the last crop year, according to the Food and Agricultural Organization in Rome, the cereal grains that were harvested are 2.8 billion metric tons. One metric ton can feed four or five adults for a year. So if you multiply 2.8 billion times four, you get 11 billion people who could be fed. 11 to 14 is a lot more than eight. So why is there hunger? Because the poor people don't have the money to buy the food. So only 42% of all the grains go into a human mouth. 36% goes into the mouth of an animal to provide meat for people who can afford to pay for meat. And 22% goes into plastics, the ethanol, every time you fill up your car's gas tank. So we do have the resources. It would just take a little bit of willpower for people to change their habits. But that's easier said than done. With climate change, politics, and conflicts around the world impacting resource supply chains, the ideal route might not be the easiest to take. This gets us into our next dilemma, money. Ray Offenheiser is the director of the Pult Institute for Global Development at the University of Notre Dame. And he is also the ex-president of Oxfam America. He agrees with Joel that in addition to poor allocation of resources, the main threats facing food security and resource availability are monetary. So we still have the, the capability of producing the food that we need maybe for the eight, 8 billion. The question is, are we gonna get it to the right places for the people in, in, in the right quantity and at an affordable price? That's, that's kind of what you have to watch, I think, in the near term. But the money talk goes beyond the food industry and prices. The current neoliberal economic system that drives corporations to maximize profit through overconsumption makes the true effects of population growth more nuanced. One of the main debates surrounding population growth is that of overconsumption and its effects on the environment. According to a recent study conducted by the Carbon Disclosure Project, just 100 companies are responsible for 71% of global industrial greenhouse gas emissions. But is it the people's fault for buying into consumerist culture? Or is it the company's fault for producing demand and using unsustainable production practices? As Ray explains, this debate is not black and white, as there are a lot of different factors to consider that make up some of the gray areas. You've got to be thinking more about local control and community cooperation rather than the, in celebrating the individual entrepreneur all the time. 
And we've got to think about the role of the state in regulating the market because the market is fundamentally an amoral institution that needs kind of guidance. And we've got to have some basic assumptions about the kind of society and co social contract that we want to have that serves all citizens. And that comes from the state and, and, and electoral bodies that actually are, are voting on certain premises about the moral propositions that they want implemented by the state. The role of governments is something that should also be mentioned. With measures such as China's one-child policy or Russia's incentives for couples to have babies, national governments play a huge role in the demographic makeup of the world. Most of the population growth in the next couple of decades will happen in sub-Saharan Africa. But what about the more economically developed countries? As Ray explains, they are already seeing the effects of a declining population with a birth rate under their replacement rate. And the solution might not be as easy to implement. Basically, we're heading toward a world where you have more adults than children, you have more inactive population, and you have more demand in the marketplace for workers than you have people. Um, I think this is just the tip of the iceberg. My, my real worry in the future is that we have, you know, what Europe has seen in the last decade in terms of that kind of my, you know, that migration is only going to increase. But what's increasing in Europe as well is this sort of um, xenophobic response. So it ends up making the conversation about the fact that we need these immigrants difficult to have um, when the obvious problem is you should be importing these people because basically they're going to help you, you know, grow your economy. So in the end, the answer to what is the meaning behind 8 billion people is not as easy as we're too many or too few. It is a nuanced topic that requires equally nuanced approaches and discussions about it. The effect of population rise on climate change, overconsumption, food security, and development requires very complex personal, corporate, and governmental changes that we might not be able to realistically expect to change in a couple of years. So what can we actually do? Well, according to Joel Cohen, it all comes down to one word. Equality isn't kind of a neutral thing. Yeah, it's good. Okay, fine. It makes a difference. It makes a difference in what people can do for themselves. And that's what's important. It is through collective action that we really push through, that we truly achieve equality. It is through educating newer generations about responsible and ethical consumption that we get a good electorate that can put kind people in power. People that care. People that don't see 8 billion as a threat or as a simple number, but as millions of people that deserve our love, respect, and attention. So what is the meaning of 8 billion? That is up to us to decide. And hopefully we can make sure that each one of them can have an equally fulfilling life that turns 8 billion into meaningful stories and not just statistics. My name is Valeria Diaz.